Hiring? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7 sports. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7 sports. Welcome to the 24-7 sports college football podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, we've been trying to churn out this content. We turn it around for you because uh, the coaching carousel is fluid, and this is, uh, as, as Barton and I talked about at the beginning of the week, one of the... Barton, this is one of the craziest... Uh, the, one, of, one of the craziest cycles that we, we have not been covering college football together for as long as our next guest but this is the nuttiest as it's gotten right nutty as i remember it man yeah well we got to bring on dennis dodd the magic bullet they now have in their holster which they will apply nick saban and jim harbaugh make a combined 20 million this season those two guys alone will make 13 million more than the entire map dennis you have seen more coaching cycles than we have. Is this the craziest one of your professional career? This is the craziest. Someone brought up the point the other day. I was trying to think of a, a comp with Tennessee on Sunday. And a great point. George O'Leary at Notre Dame back in the day, I think he was coached for three or four days. And then, you know, Notre Dame got all high and mighty and decided, you know, a fudge on a resume – was enough to uh, to let him go. If that 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 almost seems like that's a, wait a fudge in a resume. Oh, okay. Uh, we're you know compared to today, that's nothing. Well, and uh, in fact, in fact, in the day, Notre Dame was was actually criticized by some for doing that after after you know some of the things Notre Dame has been involved in over the years. But that's the only comp I can think of. Barton, you've you know, got I, th- I thought of another fan of holds. <clears throat> yes. I, I thought of a different one. Uh, so. Dennis, we were talking about uh, Rocky Cito, D coordinator, was was hired by UCLA, posted mm-hmm. on Facebook, and then the next morning they rescinded the offer because the fan base got up in an uproar. I thought of the another one. Do you all remember June Jones at yep. Arizona State? Yeah, uh, oh, wow. was was basically it was reported that they had basically agreed on a deal, and I I, I think the fan base and I can't remember really where June Jones was in his career there. I guess he was coming from SMU. But the fan base wasn't having it, and that deal got blown up. They, they, I think they blamed it on they couldn't work it out, but June Jones' side sounded like they felt like the deal was done. Um, so this is less like unprecedented than I think people realize. This has happened before. I agree. That was six years ago. And, boy, you brought up a great one. I would forgotten about that. Yeah, he had come from SMU, and it was basically for the Arizona State fans, why are we accepting this, you know, this – me, to their uh, to their feeling, mediocre coach from SMU were better than that, and and it and it didn't happen. It it was uh, it happened in a period of days where um, June Jones, who by the way, is was was Chip Kelly before Chip Kelly was in high school. You know, he's one of the fathers of the run and shoot. Uh, and then obviously the spread offense. Uh, yeah, no, that that's that's a great comparison. But interestingly enough, too, that. 
they ultimately were right. Like, right? That wasn't that sort of. Oh, yeah. Joe yeah. started tailing off after that, and and that probably would have been a disastrous hire. So maybe the fan base saved them, you know, saved themselves from a bad era there. Um, yeah, his, def- his defenses weren't great. Let's put it that way. But yeah. that Arizona State hire ended up going to Todd Graham, who was fired on Sunday, and now Herm Edwards is going to be out here. How seriously are we taking the Herm no. Edwards report? I hope I hope not seriously. It looked like it was just thrown out there by a columnist who. Who had no, you know, grasp of reality. Um, again, what what's the difference between him and, you know, and, and somebody who hasn't coached in four years? He's uh, and it's been a, a lot longer than that, I think, for him. Oh eight. Uh, from from co- and from college. Oh, that's the eighties. Yeah, he hasn't been in yeah. college since San Jose State defensive backs coach in the eighties. Yeah. So as as Arizona State's new head coach, Herm Edwards sure is a great analyst for ESPN. Put it that way. <laughs> where, where where do you see as uh when when these athletic writers are trying to make these decisions and they're trying to figure out uh how we're going to upgrade our program um as as you've been working behind the scenes and working the phones what what has been one of your biggest surprises from this coaching cycle either in terms of names that come up or maybe even um Maybe even just sort of the approach that some of these schools are taking, because there's, it, to me, there's the arms race uh, as we see the investment in infrastructure, as we see mm-hmm. uh, the willingness to pay more and more for these absurd salaries, and we'll, we'll get to Mike Gundy here in a second. But you know, what surprised you about this coaching cycle from behind the scenes? Well, aside from from Tennessee, which is a separate to itself, I, I think Florida. Dan Mullen being the fourth choice at Florida and was an absolute home run hire. You know, they didn't get Chip Kelly. They didn't get Scott Frost. It looks like they didn't get Mike Gundy. His name was thrown in there. So if you if you believe all that, then Dan Mullen is a fourth choice. But he's a fourth choice who obviously is a legacy coach there with two championship rings, Urban Meyer's top lieutenant, uh, you know, Tim Tebow, uh, all the uh, Nick Fitzgerald, uh, Dak Prescott, all the uh, quarterbacks he's he's developed, I think is is really a, a great hire for Florida, and they struck quickly to the point that you know Florida, uh, Tennessee's now floundering. Uh, Mississippi State struck quickly. I think that's one of the better hires. If I had to rank them right now, I'd go Chip Kelly one and Joe Moorhead two for uh, for continuity's sake. You know, there may not be anyone ever achieve what Dan Mullen did at at Mississippi State when you consider the whole thing, but but Joe Moorhead is as as good and as hot a recruit as hot a coordinator as there is. I'm I'm just surprised he he took this job. He's been offered a lot of other jobs, and he's a guy from the Northeast that that doesn't really you know hasn't really looked out for many jobs. I didn't expect him to take one in the SEC, but but good for him and good for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I, I thought that John Cohen, the AD at Mississippi State, had one of the best searches. Yeah. In this cycle, because like you said, I agree, is is a great hire. You're getting a guy that's coming in that's that is is really good operating with athletic quarterbacks, which is what Mississippi State's got on their roster. He's going to be able to kind of take the current roster and and build it out. The the question I would have is with his staff, but I would assume that he's you know got those questions answered. But then if you look at the other guys that Mississippi State was was looking at, whether it was Chad Morris or um, Jeremy Pruitt or Brent Venables, like those were the type of names that were coming out, and and I think those are all outstanding names particularly for that fit 
and you're getting Joe Moorhead, a guy that is a, a hot coordinator, but also a proven head coach in terms of what he did at Fordham. Um, that I, I'm a huge fan of just the way that process played out for Mississippi State. I think they should feel really good about their AD and their head coach. I, I, I agree. Is that uh, – so in the time – remember, because Tennessee was open first. So yeah. that means oh, yeah. Tennessee, Way before. <laughs> Tennessee was <laughs> like open first, first. <laughs> and then Florida was open. Then Florida got Mississippi State's coach, and then Mississippi State found the perfect successor to Dan Mullen. And Tennessee on Tuesday night officially turned down by Mike Gundy after reported meetings in Dallas – um, uh, quick shout out to our friend Brett McMurphy. How about Brett sources getting the uh, ha- get getting the uh, the scoop on that story? And uh, and ESPN had to say Brett McMurphy reports. Yeah, how about the, that? The, the entity who let Brett go, but that's right. another story. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Mike Gundy, how realistic, Dennis, or where were you? Because I, I want to get to the John Curry side of this because. Uh, I know that you've spoken about Curry on this podcast before, uh, particularly after the hire uh, coming from Kansas State. Then also the Mike Gundy side of this. Uh, at what point yesterday were you entertaining the idea that Gundy was serious this time? Because he's been known to come to the yes. table. He's always been known to come to the table, and he's always going to listen but he has he's returned time and time again to Stillwater. Uh, did this situation seem different at any time on Tuesday? Uh, not, not to me. Uh, I tweeted it and I wrote it that, look, I think he was serious about interviewing. I never thought he'd do it because that's his, his pattern in the past, that he goes right up to the altar and then walks away for whatever reason. Some guys want the attention. Some guys want the love. Some guys want their ego massage. In this case, maybe he was trying to get something at Oklahoma State from T. Boone Pickens and the AD, Mike Holder. But I, I tweeted it last night. I said, I'll believe it when I see it because you know, everybody was down that road. I, I just can't see Mike Gundy again in that fishbowl being a guy who was going to have to be uh, vetted by uh, Bubba and Pigeon Forge as part of the search committee <laughs> because that's what it's become at Tennessee. I'm sorry uh, that he would he would jump into that where he's got. I, I've said this before. I think he'll retire to his ranch in Stillwater, near Stillwater, 110 acres, before he uh, before he takes another job. I really do. I think he'll just see, he would say even at this age, screw it. You know, you're going to fire me. I'm done. And they're they're not going to fire him. I mean, there, there's a handful of coaches who have won uh, ten six of the last eight years, and he's one of those guys. So the question I would have, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, Dennis, but if if you've heard around the, the campfire. Um, but Tennessee already was a job where you don't really know how yeah. appealing it is, what the, you know, it's a sort of yes. each his own in terms of, of whether they consider Tennessee an elite job. And, and now I wonder if the fan base has spooked off any candidates, how, how much they've spooked candidates and, and whether that limits Tennessee's, um, you know, pool to choose from at this point. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you have any sense on, on how spooked people are about just sort of the what's going on in Knoxville right now? Well, and we might as well get into that, the Shiano thing. I mean, it's now it's a smoldering tire fire where, um, you know, they've they whiffed on Shiano. They whiffed on Gundy. They didn't get Chip Kelly. They didn't get Dan Mullen. And you just wonder, you know, who's going to go in there? 
the problem from the beginning for Tennessee was, and I tried to make this clear in the Lane Kiffin column, is that that this was a year when there weren't going to be enough home run hires to go around. There were a lot of good jobs, but not everybody was going to hit a home run. And the the Roos Chris in Knoxville ran out of fillets, and they had to go to hamburger. And maybe that's what Greg Schiano was. You know, that's not a bad thing. But let's start with that. Um, if and 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 then secondarily, Tennessee has to realize who it is. And we've we've talked about this before. On a good day, to the fifth best program in the SEC, and it's not getting any better. Uh, I'm being charitable. You know, Georgia's better, Florida's better, uh, Alabama's better, Auburn's better, LSU's better. That's five I just named off the top of my head. So they they overvalue who they are. So those two combinations, and then you get into the, you know, the situation where this righteous indignation over secondhand hearsay about the Sandusky case is is really conflated and appropriated into protest over the hire. I thought that was that was disrespectful and and wrong. Uh, but on the you know on the other hand, Tennessee maybe they were going to trot this out at the press conference. Maybe they didn't strategically understand how this could happen. People started talking about this beforehand. So uh, how good a job is it? It's a good job, but now it's a damaged job to the point that whoever comes in there is literally going to have to be vet, you know, approved by the masses. I think I texted John Curry last night. I said, if you get Gundy, that's coming back from nine, nine runs down in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. And he didn't respond, but that would have been a great hire, but they didn't get him. It's funny that, you know, if, if people were truly, um, disturbed by the Sandusky connection and just didn't want any of that connection on their staff uh, or in their program. That's one thing. That's that's one bucket of people. But there is, I think, very clearly a bucket, and, and whether it's a small bucket, a big bucket, a medium-sized bucket, but there is a mm-hmm. bucket of people that, that were, as you said, um, conflating that and, and using that as an excuse to not want this guy who they thought was a mediocre coach. The irony is the guy that they're going to have to end up going with, whether it's now – Jeff Brom, Dave Doran, yeah. or um, T. Martin is there's there's no way to spin it in my opinion that those guys are better football coaches right now based on what we know than Greg Schiano. Now maybe they'll become that, but it's it's a for that to be sort of the what that movement um, has sort of. Uh, spurned uh, is is going to be a tough pill to swallow i think for tennessee fans if they got mike gundy out of this like you said then wow it was all worth it because you got one of the best coaches in college yeah. football but that obviously <laughs> that didn't happen no so, so, who do, so I mean, who does does t- yeah where, where do they go i mean is is less miles on the on the phone i haven't heard any i haven't heard that at all yeah <laughs> yeah other than like fans saying oh, that we should go for him uh it's uh, the reports that i'm seeing have been uh, Brian Brom, or not Brian, Jeff um, Brom, Jeff Rom, uh, and Kevin Steele. Uh, Kevin Steele, yep, that's yeah. the other one. Yeah. Ooh. Who is who is it? Everybody loves Kevin Steele. He's a great guy, a finalist for the Broyles Award this year, by the way, one of five guys considered the best assistant coach in the country. Um, but but nine and thirty six at Baylor from ninety nine to two two thousand two. I don't I don't know if anybody could have done better at Baylor back then, but. That's it. I'm just pointing out that's his head coaching experience. 
And Holgerson did hang 70 on him in the Orange Bowl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's got that. He will always have that, that stain yeah. on his record. <laughs> right. There is that. So, I mean, he look, not, you're talking about fallback positions, and he might be as good as anybody right now. I just I, I can't help but think at, at age 59, by the way, whatever that means. I mean, if if Herm Edwards is getting trotted out here, age ain't nothing but a number, <laughs> baby. I mean, right. That's right. <laughs> Butch, Butch Davis is, is down at FIU. Ooh. Well, there is not a better show for us to talk about uh, hirings and firings in the coaching carousel than this one right here, uh, because we are so closely linked with our good friends at ZipRecruiter. Now, as you know, you can go on ZipRecruiter right now and you can post jobs for free uh, by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7-sports. This is good for businesses of all sizes. Uh, and what it does is it helps you find great talent for your business without taking up a lot of your time. You don't have to get stuck in a large stack of resumes because you won't just have the right tools. You'll have the smartest tools. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. So you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. It really is no wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. It's ZipRecruiter. It's the smartest way to hire. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. So right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Go into ZipRecruiter.com slash 247sports. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 247sports. One more time, try it for free today, ZipRecruiter.com slash 247sports. All right, so uh, let's, let's turn our attention to Jimbo Fisher. Um, Florida State and Texas A&M, we're recording this November 29th, Wednesday. It's about 9.33 Eastern time. So that is probably, of all the situations we've discussed, the most fluid right now. Um, do you... There was an interesting report in the Tallahassee Democrat that said uh, Jimbo Fisher has uh, three important relationships with FSU. One is with the university of president. One is with the athletic director, John Thrasher, university president, Stan Wilcox, athletic director. One is with the president of the booster club. And of those three relationships, only one of them is currently healthy. I Hmm. have entertained the idea more and more that this might not be an indictment on where Florida state is or where Texas A&M is, but that this might be a time after, you know, flirtations after having his name mentioned for Texas after uh, talking to LSU twice. I think that this is the time that Jimbo Fisher might do it. I don't, I I, I don't pretend to predict what's going to happen here because I think this is going to Jimbo Fisher is going to wake up one day and decide to stay or go. I mean, I I get everything that's being written. I don't particularly know why Texas A&M is a better job aside from maybe they can outspend Florida state. Um, and if he's talk, if he's if personal relationships are are ruptured, look how A and M treated the last coach, mm. and how they soured on him. Um, you know, with with the best record at A and M, by the way, in twenty years, 
uh, I think second winning as coach all time or third winning as coach all time at A&M and won a Heisman Trophy. So it's buyer beware. I, I can't predict what's going to happen here. I kind of think he's going to stay just because it's a, it's a better place to win championships at Florida State, but I wouldn't predict it. Mm. What do you think, Barton? I think he's gone. <clears throat> I think the right. I'm just going off of what like our guys at Nolce Four Seven are, are hearing. I'm right. going off of what um, people on the staff are sort of sensing. Um, I I think he's I think he's I think this is it. And and like we talked about Chip earlier in the week, I think go get Tiger. I think, like, I think Florida go. State is. Um, resigned a little bit to this so much so that they've I think they got their their finger on the trigger to just just pull pull it on Willie Taggart if this happens and, and have yeah. an easy transition and how about that how about if that happens then does I mean boy what is that to slap in the face to uh, to Oregon leave after one year Hey 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 hey, does, hey 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 who's feeling bad for Oregon okay uh, nobody nobody um, and especially the way as like tumultuous as like as bad as that tenure started I mean Dennis you wrote about the first like two mm-hmm. months of that Willie Taggart tenure at Oregon I mean if you're reading the tea leaves and if you're coach, looking yeah. yeah if you're look, reading tea leaves and looking for signs and Willie Taggart wants to get back to the southeast and certainly his name has been floated around as a as somebody who would pick up the call to to come back to the sunshine state uh i mean i don't know i just like like barton doesn't it feel like that would almost like be a decent like a pretty good hit the reboot button for florida state taggart's only 41 oh i think it'd be a good hire for florida state i'm just yeah. i'm just saying that in that scenario, watch out for Phil Knight bringing all his power to bear to get Scott Frost there. They're close. They have a good relationship. Scott uh, Scott Frost loves Phil Knight. In fact, he he suggested to me last summer or summer of 2016 before he started that um, UCF got their deal re-upped for significant money because of him with Nike. And so I, if I were – Nebraska, I'd be very nervous. Everybody expects this to happen after the American Champ game on uh, on Saturday. Eh, not so fast. I, you know, Phil Knight versus Tom Osborne. Let's see that one. So is that the way that plays out? I mean, like, because I think that you even said on this podcast, uh, you know, the the idea you floated the the Scott Frost nebraska before it was trendy you were like you went yeah. to go, you went to go see the band when they were still playing in the local pub before they <laughs> came the out 40 with, watt club yeah, yeah before they came out with their first major label debut i i i wonder i wonder what's your read on um on that now like in waiting for the american athletic conference game to come which you know you would sure seem you would sure read that as a sign of respect from nebraska and from frost that you know we're just gonna we we all understand what's about to happen. We're just going to sit back. Yeah. You know, is is there any part of Scott Frost's thinking that would all of a sudden um, leave Nebraska at the altar to go run away with Phil Knight to Oregon? Well, all we've heard really since this became a hot thing is you know big money for multiple years, more than five years for Scott Frost, and it was a decision between Florida and Nebraska. Well, okay, so Florida's filled, so automatically. But what I'm saying is, if you start thinking about Oregon, I mean, what's what's the better job? Uh, is it is it harder to win championships at 
uh, or a division at Nebraska or Oregon? I, I don't know. I mean, I can't answer that question. And if you've got a relationship with, you know, the, one of the most powerful people in the, in the country, and certainly at Oregon, um, we'll give you anything you want, desperate to get Oregon back on the map, then I think you got to take a step back. I understand Nebraska's home. I just think that I think he's got a, has a decision to make. That's all I'm saying. If that if that indeed happens, I think though the the one reason why I wouldn't be too I'm not as worried about the Nebraska is is he's not going to want to screw over Nebraska. And there is no there seems to be like I, as quiet as it is around Nebraska right now. It's done. It seems like there is yeah, a, a, yeah. a verbal yeah. agreement of some sort in place, a, a wink and a nod or something. And I, I would, I would think he would be um, reluctant to back out of something like that if there is something like that in place. Uh, Bear, uh, Bear, you, you're using common sense, which is just does not <laughs> just doesn't apply to these things this year. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the truth. Um. Well, let's get into the playoffs, man. What's um, we got championship weekend coming up, um, Dennis? Any is there any um, chaos scenario Armageddon that we're that we're overlooking here in terms of making this thing tricky on the committee? Well, it's pretty easy for me. The top four, if they win, they're in. Uh, Kirby Hoka said as much on Tuesday night. Uh, if not, then. Alabama at number five is just kind of a chess piece. They can move around and, you know, do what they want with. I think this list probably goes down to number eight with Ohio State. There's a cutoff there. TCU at number 11, I guess, I suppose, if they blow out Oklahoma, they've got a chance to be in. But but no one's answered the question. I wasn't even asked. What if the, the top four all lose? What if Miami beats Clemson? Um Auburn loses to Georgia. Now, we know what happens there. Those are placeholder spots, I would think. Oklahoma loses and Wisconsin loses. That at least begins the conversation for Ohio State, rising from eight to get into the top four. Um, I wonder what your guys' thoughts are on that. Ohio State, because that's the biggest discussion right now with that. I, I hadn't even entertained that, the, the all four losing yet. So yeah. I, I'm going to sort of see if I can – Stream of consciousness go through this. So Georgia and Miami would be in. ACC champ, SEC champ. Yeah. No matter who yeah. wins, they're in. And then does it boil down to still a what? Basically, I, that looks like does you know how does Oklahoma? I think you go then Ohio State, right? So Ohio State and Alabama would be would kind of be my hunch on that. Yeah, I, but, I, I think so. And you'd have to enter the, the the committee, even though they won't admit it, would have to break the seal on having two teams from one conference in. We all know it's about the best four teams, but in that scenario, who who would be who would have the best argument uh, against being left out? I think right. Clemson could still be in with a loss. Clemson at number 1 could still be in. And does that do, but so a, a, a two loss Clemson uh, you know, second place in the ACC Mm-hmm. Would they? Because you know, all of a sudden, then I think that scenario puts in play maybe like a USC if they win and uh, and, and and beat Stanford. Yeah, uh, you know, would they because they still got two losses and they're a conference champ. Um, TCU obviously would have an argument 
I think the only thing that Alabama has going for it is just it only has one loss, and that one loss is to Auburn. But does does that loss look a lot worse if Auburn has become a three loss Auburn? Yeah. Um, and Alabama, God, what was that? I was trying to think of the stat I had on Alabama. Um, I think I already used it, but um, you know, it, their schedule strength wasn't great. Uh, I really thought being in that at that game Saturday at the Iron Bowl. When it became obvious they were going to lose, I started thinking, boy, they could really use a touchdown here, cosmetically. And, you know, to make it look 26-21, because as time goes on, that makes it look like a better loss. But it was their first double-digit loss since the 2014 Sugar Bowl. That's bad. Um, They're beat up. That's bad. And for the last three or four weeks, they just haven't looked the same. You know, they're, they're competing against a standard that is their own. You know, this is a team that twice in in 11 and 12 lost in November and still played for the national championship when there are only two spots. Last year was maybe their best defense ever, at least under Nick Saban. And, and this team isn't the same. So I just wonder how the committee views that. Being said, that being said, Ohio State uh, was that team last year. Alabama is this year's Ohio State that finished second in its division. We shall see. Mm, I think that no? I, I, I'm I'm already into uh, I'm I'm already in, into tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist mode. <laughs> I think I think that uh, I think that whatever scenario plays out, we're gonna see. Because also, you know, you talk about the top four losing. Uh, the top four aren't even the Vegas favorites. Ohio wow. Ohio State's favored by six. Is that right? Well, I I did know that, but it's you know you you, you start to you start to like look at the way this plays out. I just I I I think that if Ohio State wins, it's in. Uh, really? So here's here's any my, any score any score. Yeah, I they I, just they just take Wisconsin's place. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just okay. I, well, and how about and how about Wisconsin at twelve and zero, the only Power Five undefeated, automatically out after losing. Let's say they lose to the gun, um, and at number four, that would have to be the conclusion, is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, and again, it's a little bit uh, tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist, but I just, I, uh, I, th- I think Big Ten's going to get one in. This brand is name, my, brand name recognition. This is my argument for that chip. Is is why I I, I agree that, that they've got a pretty good shot because if you look right now. Auburn sitting at number two in the country with two losses over a, a no loss Wisconsin and, and one loss Oklahoma with a win over Ohio State and some other pretty pretty strong <laughs> resumes. That tells me they just think Auburn's really good. They just look at it, they see how they're playing, they think they're really good. And right now, Ohio State and Alabama are sitting here with you know the, the same <laughs> amount of quality wins. Ohio State's got one more bad loss, but but if it's a beauty contest, and if you're just going to put the team up there that you think looks really good, if you have an excuse to put a team up there that you think is the best, Ohio State has got one more opportunity here against Wisconsin to leave a, a good taste in the mouth of the committee and and sort of have a take a strut up down the runway and prove that they are the best. That Alabama is going to be sitting at home. So I think if they if they win that game by two touchdowns plus. Yeah, 
I think it's going to be hard for the committee to resist putting them in just based on the the last you know the last thing they've seen from them uh, c- contrasted with the last thing they've seen from Alabama. The the case for is that the committee would have left out uh, the the Big Ten champion two years in a row, and that that's political implications. That's the case for one of them. The case against Ohio State's two losses were by forty six points total, and really an unforgivable. Uh, loss where they didn't show up off the bus at Iowa, 55-24, got handled at home by Oklahoma. Um, and and then, then what's their best win? Penn State? Penn State. I don't know. Penn State? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, number nine, Penn State. No, they their played best, one good quarter. Their best yeah. win would be Wisconsin. Their best uh, right. win would be Wisconsin yeah. at that point, yes. Yeah. Right. right. So you just – so, I don't know. So I'm, is that enough? I, I talked to a, a guy who used to cover Ohio State this week, and he said – I can think of six teams over the last 20 years at Ohio State that were better than this one. And he's in, he's assuming they win. Um, he, it, he just came back to the eye test of seeing them lose those two games by 46 points. Uh, give up, I figured out, 30% of their yards and total defense in those two losses. I mean, that, those were those were really bad. So do they, and, and don't forget the, the Big Ten 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room two years running where they haven't scored a point in the playoff. Now that shouldn't be a consideration, but it's something to talk about. So yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I liked it. Barton, your take last night. I mean, this is the seeing the adjustments this week just kind of sets the stage for them to be able to do whatever the hell they want. Next. They week. have set yeah. a precedent where they could just, yeah, they, they're, they're just, they're freewheeling. Like there's no structure or restrictions. They can just say, this is what we think. And the, the reasoning can just be because that's what it looks like, <laughs> you know, and, and, like, that, and that's what it's, that's what it's supposed to be, I guess. You know, they did that in 14 where everybody went, Whoa, TCU. Okay. Um, and when you sat down and thought about it, you went, okay, yeah, that's probably the four best teams, but it's the way they went about it where they could have had TCU fourth going into the final week instead of third. And that really would mitigate it a lot of, the consternation and criticism of wait a minute TCU just won by 52 points and dropped three spots you know they they say this is new every week but they can't deny uh the continuity of people you know they're the ones who are making an elaborate show out of this week to week you know they're the ones that are making comparisons every week you know they're the ones that put three loss Mississippi State over an unbeaten UCF uh you know, and, and can't really explain it, you know. So don't tell us about, oh, we start over every week. No, you have to be accountable for you where you put these teams. Mm. And, and and I thought it was telling last night, Kirby Hoka got on and, and, you know, enlisted all the criteria that they're, they're tasked with using, whether it's head-to-head, conference champions. And then he goes to say, but they don't tell us how much we have to weight one criteria versus the other. They don't tell us what's the most important. They don't tell, they don't tell us how much to, you know, it, so it's, it, it goes back to like, all right, well, if you're going to have this criteria and you're not even going to discuss, you know, the, the relative importance of each criteria point, then that goes back to just, all right, you can just do whatever you want. Um, yeah. And I thought that and was I, telling I keep, that yeah. you did that. I keep saying that. I said, that's why I, I'm just so, over this Tuesday night thing, because I keep telling people they they can and will do whatever they want. You yeah. know, if this if the BCS was so wrong with the computers, 
then this is all humans and they can do whatever they want. You know, I look when Notre Dame was in the running, I looked at the criteria. You know what are the criteria are? Conference championships. Well, Notre Dame's automatically eliminated. <laughs> they can't win a conference championship and they're only two or there are only three or four criteria that are written down there. Wait, wait, wait. No, so no, no, no. Technically, it is championships one, so Shamrock Series is what it's all about. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> with, a, with an asterisk. Yes. Right, right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Real quick, uh, argument against USC. I've been thinking about this a long time. Five touchdown loss at Notre Dame. If, if, right. it, if it ever comes to that, do you want that team in there? Right, which is the same, same argument you have against uh, uh-huh. Ohio State. Which is, yep. and, and you, yeah, can, no, quite, you could argue clearly. that that's a you could argue that Notre Dame, because that, that was a USC game where they're on the road at Notre Dame and they're really beat up at that point in the season and they get blown yep. out. Whereas that's a lot better case than you have with Ohio State, who was healthy on the road against a mediocre Iowa team and and gets blown out. So yeah, it, you know if you're making that case for Notre Dame, I think Ohio State has even less leg to stand on. Yeah, no, or, I, for, for I Stanford, agree. I mean, and, and at USC would have a quality win in beating number 12 Stanford. Ohio State would beat number four Wisconsin, but I'd love to see their resumes side by side. I don't think they're that yeah. much different. It's it's USC, you know, I was going to raise the point, you know, that's a rematch. They would have beaten Stanford, number 12 Stanford, twice in a season. Seven, seven of the nine conference championship games this week are rematches. Um, and if there was ever a week a year not to have a conference championship, it's the Big 12, <laughs> which is reinstituting theirs. Uh, Oklahoma has done enough. All they can do is lose, lose the Heisman, get player to, players injured for the playoff, um, and, and do something they've already done, which is beat TCU. I mean, there's really no need for it this year. Yeah. All right, give us your, uh, give us your five Power 5 conference championship game winners. Ooh. Go ahead, Barton. I wasn't prepared for this. All right, I'm gonna go. <laughs> we filled out our I, expert picks, right? Yeah, I have I actually haven't turned mine in yet, so I, I got to do that after this, after this. Uh, I got. I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna go with Wisconsin um, over Ohio State. I'm gonna go with Auburn. I'm gonna go with. Oh man, the the Pac-12 one's tough. I'll go with Oklahoma in the Big Twelve. Uh, I'll go with Clemson. And uh, give me give me Stanford out west, Dennis. Yeah. I I've got uh, Clemson over Miami, Auburn. I think might be the best team in the country right now over Georgia, Oklahoma over TCU, Wisconsin over Ohio State. I guess that qualifies as an upset, and uh, it does. And, and stand it. Yeah, barely, I guess. But uh, and then Stanford, I think they're playing at a high, high level. This would be, by the way, I think I think this is right. Four conference titles in six years for Stanford, something like that. Yeah, that is right. The Pac-12 um, North undefeated, undefeated. in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, give me Stanford over USC. Give me Oklahoma over TCU, and I'll be kicking, screaming mad if we don't get Baker Mayfield in the playoffs. So I'm fanning out over that yeah. one. I am rooting on Saturday afternoon for Oklahoma over TCU. Uh, yeah, give me Wisconsin over Ohio State um, just because I think Wisconsin's played really, really well this year. I've got Clemson over Miami in a game that's probably closer than the spread indicates, but mm-hmm. Clemson wins that game when 
Malik Rozier has the ball and has to drive it on Clemson's defense and can't. And because my picks have been so terrible this year, I've got to go contrarian here. Uh, I'm going Georgia over Auburn with Sony Michelle as the game Ooh. MVP. Hey. Something is going to happen. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bad pick considering it's now really up in the air about Carrion Johnson. You know, I thought Sunday when I was there – Oh, he he was you know he was in helmet and shorts and it looks like he's okay and day to day and now we see coming out of there it looks really dicey and I I don't think they can win without him I mean they've got some backups but he's arguably the SEC's offensive player of the year so that's a good pick. Did you know that against Georgia Tech, Sony Michelle became the number three all-time rusher in Georgia history behind number two Nick Chubb and number one Herschel Walker? Wow. No, I did not know that. Mm. I'm sorry. That's my bold prediction for the weekend. I think he's going to shine. Uh, he is Dennis Dodd. You can follow him on Twitter at Dennis Dodd CBS. You can follow him, as always, at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, love a good visit from the Dodd father. Thank you very much, Dennis. All right. Thanks, guys. The magic bullet they now have in their holster, which they will apply. Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh make a combined $20 million this season. Those two guys alone will make $13 million more than the entire match. 